Do you guys have t-shirts? We did. We had the one. <laughs> There's <laughs> just one. Still... Right. Yeah. It's one of a kind. We'll do we'll do that as part of our Kickstarter, Chris. We could do, you know, you could be a $10 backer and we'll mention your name on the show or you could be a $10,000 backer and we'll send <laughs> you a one. t-shirt. <laughs> well, you get send you one t-shirt that Sally Ann made for us. I've always been of the philosophy if you don't try you can't fail. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a horrible and, philosophy. And failing's not even that bad, you know? Like people people think, you know, if you fail then you, know, you like people you know, I've failed a million times. And it's you know it's like I think Albert Einstein, he's like, you know, I've 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 learned ten thousand ways not to do something right. <laughs> I, <laughs> yep. I just know how to not do it. Yeah. Speaking it's of fun. knowledge, I wanna rewind because I have a younger sister and certainly other relatives who probably um, are would-be fans. Um, but I think my sister, in fact, is kind of starting to create a lot of little trinkets and she's been talking about starting an Etsy store. Do you have any advice for people who want to sell online, like anything you wish people would have told you? Um. I think uh, getting uh, getting started with Etsy, um, definitely product photography is a big thing on Etsy now. Like if you don't, um, you know, the the better the that thumbnail looks, the more likely you're to get on you know, the front page and get a little extra traffic. Um, I went the route of getting my own domain name um, to then refer people to just shopsallyann.com versus go to Etsy, search for me, yeah, buy right, this. Yeah. You know, and um, and I I had SallyAnn.com, and I was you know I had it on GoDaddy, and I was going to register it, and I was like, oh, I'll do it in the morning, and then someone else bought it, so that's where the SallyAnnK.com comes from because I waited that ten hours till the <laughs> yep. next morning, yep. and, Salva- and Salvation Army has SallyAnn.com, so shaking my fist at them now, but. Um, but yeah, like I think planning and going about, you know, the marketing side of it, getting the name right, getting your product at a good price with streamlining your labor and, you know, making, you know, or keeping it, you know, something you want to do. And, you know, like people that have, there's a lot of really awesome Etsy shops out there that I wish that people would see more. And I don't know the right answer because I think Etsy has really compromised a lot of their values, the bigger that they get to make more money. And it's it's very difficult. I've been on the fence about leaving Etsy for a couple mm. years a couple years now because they have recently expanded to allowing mass produced things on there as long as the creator of the shop oversees it and it's just I don't, I don't yeah yeah but but there aren't any other comparable sites that are like Etsy. You know the other ones that are like Etsy like Artfire used to be a big one, but. That's really crafty stuff. It's not really art. So, I mean, I think, you know, she should, you know, start a Facebook page, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram's really great for promoting a lot of that stuff. Now, my sister has a, a store envy page and an Instagram page, and she does cassette wallets. It's um, curiously clever uh, on store envy. And she's teetering with going to Etsy, but then Etsy might not bring you that organic traffic. You have to create your own traffic to your Etsy shop these days. So, I don't know. Keep yeah. at it. I think Instagram's a great a great thing to push towards with um, with a small shop like that. Yeah, um, it seems like um, 
at the the thing that was great about Etsy before, I mean, aside from the the values that they kind of started with, which was everything that you're getting here is something that somebody handmade yeah. specifically for you. But separately from that was, um, you know, it was a much smaller community insight at the time. And so mm-hmm. you were they were bringing you a lot of foot traffic, people who might find you organically. Yeah. Um, and now... I think it almost does it's almost going back the other direction where it's like no it's actually better if you have your own domain name and you run your store however you want to run it and mm-hmm. um you you figure out how to get those people organically in other ways whether that's mm-hmm. you know they're searching on Google or maybe you do maintain an Etsy shop but you you know you use that Etsy shop to help kind of move that audience towards you know buying yeah. from you direct instead well, and I have like I have a big cartel page that I keep the domain just you know for when I want to go over to it. But um, you know, I had uh, well, there's another one I can't think of the um, the shop the you know the hosting site that provided it. But a lot of those shops they're pay per month and not pay per item. And Etsy is still cheap. Yeah. It's still yeah. Twenty twenty cent listing fee, twenty cent renewal fee, and I think it's three and a half percent of the sale they keep. Which is extremely low, and if for a small business, the cost obviously is key because you know I can't I can't afford to pay sixty dollars a month for a shop and then have to do all the coding. You know sure. those yep. those pages. You know then I have to create the look of the page. I have to maintain that to be the webmaster of it, and I have to host it. Or you know some of them you do, but um, Etsy you fill in the blank and you put it out there. But then you're dealing with you know if you go to search a handmade purse, mine's not going to come up in the searches. You know, I have to constantly be posting new things or, you know, I like to do little mini collections now and then promote that on social media. And then it's, you know, it's you know more of an attraction versus just like one-offs. Sure. And yeah. that seems to, to help a lot. But I don't know. It's, you know, I don't, I, I, just, I just have such a, a bad taste in my mouth with Etsy right now, but um, I'm hoping, I know it's not going to get any better, but. I think I'm just going to have to switch to big cartel soon. But then it's like, you know, I don't have that 10 hours to sit down and code the, my that page and get it up and running. And I'd rather just keep, you know, right, on, yeah. on top of photographing one of a kind. That's the, the difficult thing about a small business. When you're making one of a kind stuff, you have to photograph each and every piece. Yep. And then put it on, and then edit that image and then put it online. And yeah. So if, uh, good. Yeah. I wish I had a little assistant, but. Not at the moment. <laughs> 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 Still just me. Well, that's 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 kind of part of as as you go from okay, this is kind of a a one person thing to okay, maybe we could do two or two, maybe three people. Mm-hmm. Um, you find that okay, I have to hire people who are going to be really good at the things that I don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. Like when I was doing freelancing um, more, I found that hiring an accountant who I could just pay for like two hours a month to go through my stuff and make sure I was tracking it and make sure I was putting money away from taxes and all of that stuff and actually mm-hmm. billing my clients, which it turns out you need to do to collect money. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> Having that person to do that left my brain like clear to just like yes i still have to track my hours so that they can invoice but then everything else i can just be doing the thing that i love to do yeah i uh you know that's 
I um with, with what I do, I feel like I'm such a control freak. I wish I could let go and just like get a photographer. And, yeah, yeah. And and Matt, Matt's really done, uh, over the last couple of years. Um, he's been doing a lot of my graphic design stuff for me, or um, you know, he'll he's he's been editing videos and he'll do some stuff. But then when we because we have a relationship as well as a working relationship, then. When we have that constructive conversation, it becomes an argument. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be an argument. But um, so, if I could get a, a photographer and like implant my vision in their brain perfectly, that'd right. be perfect. But you know, I'm just such a control freak, and I need to. I learning to let go like that. And, you know, getting someone to be a photographer for me that'd be awesome. Yeah, and you almost need but, to to even make that work. You almost need to have like ten different things and do like an audition of like five different photographers and see who comes back with a couple things that you're like, okay, this person's on the right track and they took my direction and kind of get where I'm going. Yeah. um, No, the idea is just to go to local university and get an intern. That's what, that's, that's (laughs) actually, I've been looking into doing that and they're like, Hey, why don't come get my booth on the weekends? And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm actually um, been, I've been looking into that for a while now, and and I've sat down with local photographers to kind of do. And when I was in Augusta, and I had I would have the I did lingerie, and I was doing lingerie fashion shows. I'd have salons that would do the hair and makeup, and you know a DJ that would work just for the expo for the trade would be the exposure, and to you know all the flyers would have their business information, and it was this great working relationship I had with them. And since I've been in Jacksonville and I've gotten to know photographers and some people, I'll sit down and have coffee with them. And then they're like, okay, well, it's $300 for that photo shoot. I'm like, you realize I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. Can we, like, we need to, you know, have this trading working relationship. And so it's hard when I'm still new in my city and, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's not like I'm a, you know, I'm not in that same, category as someone you know who's going to pay you to come and shoot you know their stuff at some you know a store like that can afford that has a that has a marketing budget and all that so it's a you know having a call having an intern would be super cool and i had um i mentored a high school girl a couple years ago and that was awesome and just having that someone else in the workroom with you and you know it was great so hopefully that's in the future for my company we'll see yeah, I hope so. Could that be exciting? Yes. <laughs> Employee number zero 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 one. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we we um now we've expanded. We've kind of I've um joined with my friend that's a jewelry maker and my sister that does wallets. So now Sally Ann has two other artists selling stuff in my boutique. So that's fun. And uh, so I have that relationship going on with uh, some other small businesses. That's great. Pretty exciting. Yeah, that's really cool that uh, can join forces like that. Yes, it's uh, Cribbledy Goodness, and she does vintage jewelry. It's like what I do, but with jewelry. And then um, my sister Rachel does the cassette wallets, like taking a cassette tape and turning it into a little zipper wallet. They're I great. remember those from your Etsy site. Yeah, and so she, she, and she and I worked together for you know back then, and. Uh, and so she's doing those now. So she's bringing those back, and they're super fun. So if you want another cassette wallet, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, so those are pretty cool. And uh, she's a student at UNF, so that's great for her because it's you know a way for her to have a you know creative outlet and a, a you know small business. So, do you do commission work too? Uh, sometimes, actually, um, right now I'm working on um, a handful of commission things, um, like uh, you know some just sewing stuff in general. Um, also, do alterations and stuff. Um, I used to be a bridal seamstress when I was in Augusta, so um, people, you know, need stuff like that done. But um, my favorite is when someone, like, brings me, um, like, say, like, it was their grandmother's favorite sweater or, you know, a shirt that their husband had, and they want it made into something. And I can cut that up and make it into something that they can use, like a purse or, you know, something for their house or just something for them. And make something that you know is a nostalgic piece of fabric to them, and make it into something special and one of a kind. That's my favorite because then it's yeah. you know, it's it's not something that you know. I have uh, my late stepfather. I have a T-shirt that was his, and I know I probably won't be able to cut it up for another ten years. But <laughs> you know, it's 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 the only shirt of his that I have. But you know, personally, I'm not ready to cut it up. But something like that, you know, someone bring that to me, and they're like, "This was." This was my dad's or my brother's, and you know I want I want to be able to use it, but I'm not going to wear it. So then I would cut it up, make it into anything, you know, a shirt for them, a purse, clutch, you know, pretty much anything. And and then having that satisfaction from them, like that I turned something into something that they can love and appreciate in a new way, and bring like new life to something like that. That's yeah, you t- you're taking something that would have just sat in a closet somewhere yeah. um, and you're turning it into something that they can interact with every day and, and keep that nostalgia close yeah. to them, you know? Yeah, even if it's like, you know, a shirt they had when they were a kid or, you know, a blanket. And uh, I, I, I just, I love, de- I love the act of deconstructing something and then remaking it. And even like right now, I'm working on this little mini collection that um, I was, and I'm, on the last couple purses of it, it was. I think I'll end up with six purses, and it's from one carry-on. Uh, it's like a yellow Samsonite carry-on from the '70s, and a Saks Fifth Avenue blazer. And from those two pieces, just the blazer and just this carry-on, I'm making a little purse collection. And it's so fun because I can take, you know, just the collar or the front, the front parts of the jacket, and it's making these purses that are specific to just those two. And uh, it's really pretty because the yellow carry-on was like this yellow polyester faux leather. (laughs) (laughs) And then the blazer is the most hideous blazer, but it's beautiful print. It's got this, um, like, uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa and Paris and all these little hotels from all over the world all over it. But it's making beautiful purses because otherwise this jacket would have sat in the strip store and it was $3, but... It would have just sat there, and who's going to wear it? You know, it's it's not very yeah. pretty. Yeah. And so it's making these beautiful handbags out of something that no one's ever going to use ever again. And that's how most of my little pieces come about. It's like ugly, ugly old clothes, and then I can just transform them. Wow, you've got me all nostalgic now because I do have like <laughs> my dad's shirts in my closet. It's kind of funny. I was actually going to make the joke that uh, Paul has been on me for a while to. Uh, finish up a design for a Montreal sauce uh, t-shirt to promote the show. And then I was like, <laughs> we'll just, 
We'll just commission one from Sally Ann. It'll just be like a one-off instead of selling many t-shirts. It'll just be one t-shirt. One, yes, one Montreal sauce t-shirt. <laughs> one. <laughs> Do you guys have t-shirts? We did. We had the one. <laughs> There's and just one. Sold- Right. Yeah. It's one of a kind. We'll do we'll do that as part of our Kickstarter, Chris. We could do, you know, you could be a ten dollar backer and we'll mention your name on the show, or you could be a ten thousand dollar backer and we'll send <laughs> you a t shirt. Well you get send you one t shirt that Sally Ann made for us. Right. I like That's it. Great. Yeah, we've um actually just started uh we're we've been trying with the idea for a few months with branching to screen printing and doing um like a fair like a fair trade t shirt. You know, made from um, um, what's it? Threads for Thought, I think, is the company. Okay. That I couldn't think of earlier. Or American Apparel. And then Silk Screening. And then us doing the hand silk screen. And that's something we've, you know, Matt and I have really discussed. And I think we're going to go ahead with in the next year or so. Um, just to be able to do more stuff that's not mass produced, but made on a different level than just the handmade sewn things. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think that would be great. Like, I mean, who doesn't want a camper with or a t-shirt with Shelby on it? You know, they don't want a <laughs> she's so cool. Um, yeah. Maybe stuff like that. Um, and so then, yeah. So maybe when we get to that point, I'll make you some Montreal sauce t-shirts. <laughs> Great, that would be awesome. <laughs> so, so what do you look for when you go looking for fabric, or do things just sort of find you? Or uh, you I mean, know, I, lately, I have I, honestly, I haven't done a whole lot of thrifting lately, just because I'm. Like I have so many things on my plate with sewing, but when I would go to the thrift store, um, I have this weird habit of picking up the fabric and touching it to my neck to feel to feel the extra because my hands are so rough, and your hands can't always feel like the the softness of something. And I would make you know clothes out of the stuff or clothes of the fabric or scarves or purses. And so I'd lay off how soft it was. And, um, my sister's like, why are you like rubbing these thrift store clothes <laughs> on your neck? <laughs> like, I can't, my hands are too rough and callous and chopped up to really get a good. So it's a lot of it's, you know, the actual, how usable it is. And, uh, the, obviously the color of the print and, um, how much fabric it is and how much value I can get out of it. Um, like I'll get a, um, you know, like a bla- the blazer I got that's Sunny Belt. That's the hotel collection I'm working on. You know, it was looking at it. I'm like, okay, well, it's three dollars, and I can make X amount of bags out of it. Is this cost effective with how much I will make? Um, so it's kind of all comes down to that, or you know, just weird looking stuff. Like I, I really like getting um, garment bags from uh, <laughs> vintage and using that for instead of using leather. So that's right. Funny. So I've, um, I did the, uh, an American apparel collection last fall, and using one garment bag, I made like 50 purses. Wow. So, because it was um, a vegan art festival, so I couldn't use any leather, and, and that kind of like took a while for me to wrap my head around, because I'm like, well, fabric's secondhand to me. Like, you know, leather's, leather's polyester to me, because it's not, I'm not actually, you know, going and seeking out leather i'm just getting your actual fabric to me it's all the same so i got this um garment bag from a thrift store for five dollars in chicago and i took that one one garment bag and it was 30 purses and 20 small accessories and so it was like a challenge to try and use up every tiny little piece even like the quarter size little pieces i use for applique on sunglasses cases and all that kind of stuff so for me it's like i don't know i don't think there's really any 
specific thing I do. I think I'm, sometimes I think I'm a little nuts, but it's just <laughs> whatever I can make out of it. It's fun. It's a challenge. And it's, you know, it pushes me to, cha- to change what I'm doing and evolve and hone my skills more and then be more, you know, better at utilizing small pieces versus, you know, tossing scraps out. So I don't know, I try and be very sustainable and I save all my scraps. So like the little tiny pieces of fabric I have left will end up being um, parts of the lining or patchwork on the pockets and the interior purses and stuff like that. So it's a makes for me to be a really good hoarder. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt doesn't, he's like, you need to throw some of this junk away. I'm like, no, I can use it. It's still good. It's less than, it's not, you know, it's smaller. It's if it's smaller than the size of my palm, maybe, but otherwise I'm like, it's still good. I can use that. <laughs> so that's, it's, it's kind of, that's a cool perspective just because, you know, you think of, other those of us that may be like going to thrift stores looking for that uh one off like old concert t shirt or Star Trek or Star Wars memorabilia and you're <laughs> looking at the opposite stuff going, Oh, I can cut this up. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, and it's funny because like um actually the I I'm in Pensacola now. The last time I was in Pensacola I went thrifty with my sister and thrift stores in Florida are awesome. They're so good. <laughs> Obviously, because there's a lot of there's a lot of old people here. I don't know if that's that's, that's <laughs> not PC to say, but um, so I went to the thr- the thrift shop here, and there's this really awesome pair of black leather pants, and they were great because there was no seams. A lot of times, leather pants will have seams like a seam in the knee, and so it's not one continuous piece of leather. Ah. Well, these 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 were, but there was a rip on the the zipper was broken, and there was a rip along the crotch. And the woman, she's like, "Well, I'm going to give you half off because these are ripped." I'm like. Okay, I'm not going to tell her. Like, I'm going to cut these up anyway. But okay, so for them, you know, for thrift stores, it's like you know, people want the stuff and it's whole, perfect. You know, they want you know something that doesn't have a rip in it, something you know that's you know still looks great or will fit them. I'm like, I don't care about the fit. I'm looking at the fabric, the print, the size, the cost. Uh, if it's a, a the half off color of the day, yeah, all that good stuff. But uh. There's this really awesome thrift store in Jacksonville that everything's half off all the time. And uh, it's really exciting because I'll get up there and I'll be like, you know, I'll fill up a garbage bag for like 20 bucks. And they're like, oh, shoot, this girl's getting a lot of weird stuff. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like, like so excited to go home and just like cut stuff up and make really awesome things. So it's fun. I, um, yeah, I've got. I have this, you know, funny little fabric browser, you know, I've got like, right now I think I've got like working on 10 different purses that are, will be done in like the next week or so, but they're also different because the fabric really determines the outcome and it makes people, I think that makes the consumer and the purchaser of the purse feel special because they have something no one else has. They know that I made it and they know that it's eco-friendly and that it's something no one else will have. And I think there's something to be said about that versus when I was a kid, I hated going to school and some girls wearing the same shirt as me or, you know, uh, someone else wore that, you know, the top you're wearing that day, someone else wears the next day. And everyone wants to feel like an individual and feel special and feel that what they have is is special to them. And that's what, that's why, that's why I like making stuff. It's fun that way. And, 
puts a lot of emphasis on like the, the actual item you're having and more of added value than just, uh, it's, you know, from the mall. So that's so, that's what I like today. Sorry, so I got are, a little nostalgic. What's up? So what are you uh, what are you watching now while you're working? You're done with Lost. Um, I'm trying to get back into Doctor Who, but they switched the doctors, and I really am having a hard time <laughs> with this new guy. But the one that's after it's the new young guy, Matt Smith. Yeah. Is, is I'm a, I just started him, and I. So I'm kind of watching that, but I don't know if I like him yet. So I've been watching Doctor Who and um, Orange is the New Black. I'm re-watching that again. And uh, a couple other just really bad TV shows that are just easy to ignore while I'm working. Um, a lot of Downton Abbey. I really like Downton Abbey because that's really, really awesome. I don't know if you guys are Downton Abbey fans. Do you guys watch that show? I've seen a few episodes of it. Um, so have I. Yeah. What do, you um, do you like it? I I enjoy it, but I haven't. I have to go back and actually start at the beginning. Um, the episodes that I've seen, I've liked, but because I'm not, it's very much a um, not a not a one off, and then everything resets at the end type show. It's like mm-hmm. you have to be following the story all the way through. So oh yeah, it's very <laughs> serial. <laughs> and the the first and I and I love Downton Abbey and Matt makes fun of me because he calls it Doom, Doomton. He's like Doomton Abbey. You're watching Doomton. Yes. Um, but the first episode I watched, I fell asleep three times before I could actually get through the first one because <laughs> it would be on like my lunch break from sewing. And uh, you know, for me, it's like if I'm gonna get really serious about something and enjoy it, I want to watch it. I don't want to ignore it. So a lot of the stuff I watch when I'm working is stuff I've already seen. But um, with Downton Abbey, it was uh, it's hard because it, it is it is kind of stale sometimes because it's British TV show, but. Um, <laughs> But it's so good. It's so 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 good. And I'll, um, I worked on. I did an embroidered collection for a gallery show a couple of years ago, and that. And so I did nude embroidered portraits on recycled fabric. And that whole month, I just sat there and watched Downton Abbey, and I would have to like get a box of Kleenex, and all my makeup would come off because I'd cry so hard because it was just like, <laughs> oh my god, Downton Abbey, but. You should give it another chance. It's a really, really good show. I'm but, doing, I'm doing a similar. Uh, I'm doing an image editing job, and I have been for the last couple of weeks. And uh, so now I've been like, oh, I'll just watch something. And I like you. I've I've run into the same thing where I find myself. Only way I can do it is to put something on that uh, I've already seen before. Because mm-hmm. I tried tried watching like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's like the cosmos I'm like oh I really want to watch that and then like that's like an informative documentary type show mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah. watching it going okay I'm not working now so yeah <laughs> need something yeah. silly like supernatural or something on yeah well and, and I, tr- I tried watching supernatural but then I got I me mean, I wanted to see what was going on on the screen I couldn't like you know put it behind the window you know behind safari on my computer or well or have my back to it when I, when I'm sewing I um I rewatched Boardwalk Empire again recently and that's a good one but it's it's hard to find something that like I can sew over so that like the sound kind of goes over it and then I can pick back up on it but yeah like Cosmos like I would want to sit down and watch every second of that and uh it's hard to find shows to ignore like that it's like 
Uh, then that's where I start watching like really embarrassing stuff that I don't like to admit, like Vampire Diaries. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I'm not going to miss out on these five minutes and I can pick it back up again because the plot line isn't made for people to sit and stare. It's made for people to, you know, the, you know it's made for kids or, you know, high school kids. <laughs> and, I, and I just admitted that I watch Vampire Diaries. <laughs> but seriously, like it's a guilty pleasure and it's, it's good. So like stuff like that I'll watch, but I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't sit and watch a new Downton Abbey episode when I'm sewing because I need to like be engaged and stare at it and figure out right. what's going on with yeah. Lady Mary and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. why I've sort of taken into um, podcasts now. So, you know, you can definitely listen to an episode of Montreal Sauce and get something done because we're probably just still jawing about the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> you won't oh, miss yeah. it. Well, and, and that's the great thing about podcasts. Like, you don't have to look at the screen. Like, I like doing um, – my one of my favorites is um, All Songs Considered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bob Boylan's, like, my, my like, musical soulmate. He's my favorite. <laughs> He's so great. Um, and so I like listening to that. But then it's, like, you know, still – it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to just constantly stay engaged with something when you're working. I feel like it's – yeah, I like to pay attention fully, and I only have so much attention to go yeah, between all my stuff I'm working on. But, but yeah, podcasts are great. And then Mark Maron's really cool. I like his <laughs> podcast. And uh, I know, every day I get woken up by Adam Carolla, and it's the most annoying thing ever because you just hear his very nasally <laughs> voice. And Matt, Matt's the biggest Adam Carolla fan. It's like, I'm complaining about something. I'm like, come oh, on, out of girl. Oh, geez. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, podcasts are, are great. I'm so excited for you guys doing this one. It's a, so what's a, what are big things ahead coming for Montreal Sauce? More guests. Uh, more, yeah, guests more guests, hopefully. That, I mean, we have uh, certainly... The major. I think the only episode in season one where we had a guest was the uh, Daniel J. Hogan episode, mm-hmm. and all the, all of the rest were just me and Chris. Um, but I think the the show finds a good rhythm whenever we have a guest on, yeah. um, and we're really kind of starting to focus on these uh, guests like yourself who are. Uh, makers, whether they're making physical things in real life and selling them or um, making stuff for the internet, uh, like web comics and blogs and um, websites and web apps and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think the, I think the two of us, we, we always get a good conversation going, whether it um, circles back to movies and media, or if it just becomes a show that's all about making things. Um mm-hmm. That's that's the direction that Montreal Sauce is kind of going. And then I think Chris and I have some fun stuff uh, ahead planned, um, not just for Montreal Sauce, but for uh, other podcasts and and uh, ideas in general. So it's exciting. Yeah, actually, um, we're I'm kind of working out like a way to do a podcast um, about like a specific film. So definitely be awesome to have you back on for that sounds like you enjoy watching things oh i i would love to i'm i'm a, a huge huge movie and music nerd and uh it's a 
it's exciting to like I don't is it, is it bad to say I don't have a whole lot of friends that I actually can talk, <laughs> actually talk about them? It's funny because like as I move around more, like, even in Jacksonville, like we've only got a handful of very close friends, and Matt and I have extremely different tastes. So you know, I can't really talk to him about how much I love the cinematography of Old Boy because to him he's like <laughs> I hate Korean films. I'm like, but it's so exciting when this happens in this movie, and he won't watch it, you know. So I would, I'd love to come back and talk to you guys about that. And actually, um, I think you guys would really. Um, well, I guess we can talk about this off air as well. But um, Matt is a um, really awesome. He was in radio, and he does a lot of video stuff. And uh, you guys would probably really like uh, talking to him about some podcast stuff too. But, sure. um, but yeah, it's uh, so exciting to, you know. It's my, you guys are my first podcast. I've never been on one. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. You're, you're our first NPR guest. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I was on NPR. Exactly. <laughs> what was the, I forget what the call letters are in, in uh, Jacksonville. W, um, gosh, I'm terrible. I can't even remember what their, what it was. Um, but yeah, it was super cool. It was a little five minute segment they did. And there was a ton of people I met at One Spark that were like, I heard you on NPR. I'm like, ah! Oh, how exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you a, uh, a sci-fi nerd as well? Star Trek or Star Wars? What's your... <laughs> you know, I don't... I never really got into Star Trek other than when I was a little girl, my favorite toy in the whole wide world was a Captain Kirk doll. And nice. I, it, Good choice. It was, and, but I called it my daddy doll because it looked like my dad. <laughs> um, it was um, this little cloth. It was made in eight. I looked it up years ago because it was like I was very curious because I didn't know where it came from. It was actually my brother's toy that I hijacked. But it was um, made in 1983, and it was this cloth body, and it was like 10 inches long and had a hard plastic head. <laughs> that, that's really my only exposure to Star Trek is my daddy doll that I had when I was a little girl. Um, but no, Star. I, I don't mind Star Wars. I uh, never really got into it a whole lot. I um, I kind of really like um, I don't know, Doctor Who. I really really enjoy and some other um, some other like sci fi films, I guess. But really not. I wish I enjoyed Star Wars more and. Uh, I guess I just need to rewatch the old ones because I've never really sat down and watched them in their entirety. But um, I, don't know, I was a really big Lord of the Rings nerd when I was in high school. Ah, okay. Gave myself a bit. I actually went to the midnight showing of the second and third ones, I think. Did you enjoy those movies? Oh, yeah. They're great. I, I, I wish I had the time to sit down and read the books because I've never read the books. But yeah. uh, actually, I have Return of the King, but I don't have the first two, so I like can't sit down and read <laughs> Right. I, if I'm going to put all that time into reading it, I want to read the first ones. Yeah. I'm like, well, maybe I should read The Hobbit. But then Definitely. So I, yeah. I haven't watched The Hobbit because I'm like holding up because I know it's an easier read than the other books. Sure. So, so yeah, I don't know. Oh. I wish I enjoyed some sci-fi films. Where I kind of really am, I really like vampire movies. I don't know if that counts as sci-fi stuff. I don't think it does. It's more of the fantasy, right? Mm, I don't know. I, I think... Yeah, maybe. I th- I feel like vampire is kind of like its own genre nowadays, but yeah. it kind of is. Yeah, vampire zombie is like kind of its own thing. Yeah, but I, uh, the, I like the really weird ones. So like some of the the most recent ones are just kind of like stupid. Like uh, the whole Twilight stuff kind of gets me. But <laughs> I don't know. 
but True Blood is the bomb. Anyway. Do you like True Blood? I do. I just got caught up. I'm super excited. So did you, what do you think of the last episode? Um, actually, it, it's feeling kind of weak this this season, but it's like their last season. So I feel like they're sort of like scurrying out some, like they're sweeping up before they do something bigger, you know? I yeah. Know. Well, the yeah. problem, okay, so the problem I have with True Blood, it's like you only have, what is the show, 52 minutes maybe, including credits? Right. So they have, that's, you know, 52 minutes to accomplish a lot with a 10 episode season. So when they waste a bunch of time on these flashbacks, that have absolutely nothing happening and all <laughs> like no dialogue, you know, a good 30 minutes, 30 seconds too long. And then they rush the other dialogue and like, stop trying to squeeze in stuff. Cause it's the last season plan ahead more. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I, I think I'm just so angry with how true blood turned out, but yeah, up until this season, I was like, this is getting like, I really, it's a fun show. And then like, this season started and I was like, eh, eh. and then like the next episode, I'm like, eh, it went, it's going to get better. Right. <laughs> the whole, when Rutger Hewer was on last season and he was there, was he the, the, he was a fairy. I forget what his name even was. Yes, uh, yes. I don't know, I, I'm the nerd that actually read most of the book. So I still have this little bit of animosity towards the things they've changed, even though I know <laughs> that TV shows can't hold true to the books because it, reads completely different than it's shown visually but um i just get little little bits of anger because eric and silky are together in the books and then they kind of brush that all under the rug and and then elsie just her boyfriend i'm like that's not how it's supposed to happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i haven't read the books but uh someone told me that um in the books spoiler uh lafayette dies and i was like what He's oh, one yeah. of my favorite characters. I'm not reading oh, yeah. those books. <laughs> yeah, he died. He died in last, it was the first or second book he died. Yeah. And um so they and Tara was kind of complete her character was completely different and uh well it's also written from like the early 90s perspective too. So at the yeah. time it's completely different, but there's this really funny character in the book that um uh, Soki befriends this witch and she moves in with her and she's her friend. She accidentally turns her boyfriend into a cat. And um, long story short, and it's really funny in one of the books if you ever get to reading them. And then when he gets turned back into a human, Soki like catches him headbutting things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's like the and then he notices that she saw him headbutting something and he's really embarrassed. And that's like the best thing that ever happened in True Blood books. Because it's just Jeez. So silly, and it makes like that's what makes those books enjoyable like stupid little things like that versus the TV shows, you know, just so sensationalized. And I don't know, it is well, TV though, so you can't really hate it too much. Speaking of silly, um, for some reason, I spend an inordinate amount of my time to make a silly quiz sometimes when we have a guest, and I do have one prepared for you, Sally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <Thank you. laughs> Okay. I am super stoked to hear that you had a Captain Kirk doll because I'm going to ask you and Paul quiz questions about a film he did in 1977 after Star or Star Trek called Kingdom of the Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to give you multiple choice questions or answers. You know how this works. You've taken a test before. Uh-huh. 
All right. Are you ready, Paul? I am ready, theoretically. We'll find out. Awesome. Okay, Sally, I'm going to ask you the question first. Kingdom of Spiders, like I said, was made in 1977. It's a horror movie, and obviously it features a lot of spiders. Uh So the film starred 5,000 of the cuddly tarantulas. How much of the $500,000 budget was spent on those furry little demons? A, $50,000. B, $500. C, $5,000. Or D, none. The director owned a pet store and procured them from his supplier through his business. You want me to answer first? Yeah. Um, budget was 500000 you said? Yep. I'd say 50000 was that B, A or B? That was A. A. So you say fifty thousand? Uh huh. It was actually only five thousand. Ah. <laughs> Dang it! Nice. <laughs> so Paul, having five thousand tarantulas on the set could be sort of dangerous. What's the worst injury suffered by people on the set, like the actors and the crew? A. Several bites, but no permanent side effects. <laughs> B, nothing more than some troublesome itching from the spider's hair sh- shed around the set in the costumes. Or C, an unfortunate two-day coma that set back filming. Wow. Um, I want to say B, itching from the hair. You're correct. Nice job. Apparently, yeah, the spider, the tarantula hair is uh, very, it, they actually shed tarantulas. And so it was getting in the costumes and made a bunch of people itch. <laughs> so h- how many tarantulas did they have? 5,000. Ugh, that's terrifying. And unfortunately, as I was reading about the movie, um, it wasn't exactly, the 70s weren't exactly a time where you had, you know, people on the set to make sure you're treating animals ethically. So they literally did like run over and kill some of them while they were filming. Yeah. Well, tarantulas are actually quite nice if you, if you handle them regularly. My roommate in college had a tarantula. His name was Fabio. (laughs) (laughs) We had, we had one as our class mascot in third grade. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, Fabio, he was nice for a long time because she would hold him. And interact with him, and then as soon as you know, like as she began to hold him, hold him less and less, he kind of—I mean, he didn't. I don't think he really bit her. Like I think it was like a mosquito bite if he bit. Sure. But um, then he got to be not so not not as nice because he, you know, he didn't have the interaction. Tarantulas—they're yep. kind of—they're nice. They're nice spiders. Okay, yeah. Sally. So the action in the Kingdom of Spiders begins at the Colby Farm. And Walter Colby was played by Woody Strode, who is better known in, to sports historians as A. He was on track to become cricket's greatest bowler in the late 40s before he came home one day and uh, fell out of a two-story window and broke his leg. B. He was Billy Jean King's tennis coach. C. He was one of the first two African-American football players to break the NFL color barrier or D, Mr. Strode had the shortest professional boxing career recorded as he didn't last a single round. Uh, can you write what's B again? Uh, Billie Jean King's tennis coach. I think A. The, a, he, yeah. cricket? Yes. 
Okay. Actually, no. Ah. Uh, he was one of the first two African American football players to yeah, break and, the color barrier. Yeah, and and I actually I actually know some football history, and I didn't know that one. Dang it! <laughs> I can't believe it. This is actually this is quite interesting, Sally, because Paul has never been winning. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> okay, Paul. So one of the editors of Kingdom of Spiders, Steven Zalian, went on to win an Oscar for his work on a Steven Spielberg film. Name the film. A, Arachnophobia. B, Saving Private Ryan. C, The Color Purple. Or D, Schindler's List. Arachnophobia would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, (laughs) uh, I am going to go with... um, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> it was Schindler's List. Ah. Uh, uh, I so believe was my other there was a connection <laughs> to arachnophobia in this film. I do believe that uh, somebody worked on both films. And that's where I got that terribly scary answer from. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrifying film, though. I watched that when yes. I was like nine. And Arachnophobia. Was, yeah. 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 Especially when you're a kid and you shouldn't be watching that kind of <laughs> 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 Okay, Sally, you can catch him here, hopefully. Okay. Okay. Like all of Hollywood productions in the 70s, Kingdom of the Spiders had a Rat Pack connection. So what was it? A, Sinatra produced the soundtrack for the film. B, Dean Martin had a brief cameo where he was, of course, killed by the tarantulas. C, Miss Colby from the Colby Farm was played by Sammy Davis Jr.'s wife. Or D, Larry Bishop, Joey Bishop's son, got a start in films as a production assistant. Uh, C. You are correct. Woo! Yes, tied. Tightened up. (laughs) <laughs> I did up. Sammy Davis Jr.'s wife was in the movie. Yes. Okay, so Paul. Yes. Before the director, John Bud Cardos, made this movie and other B films like The Day Time Ended and The Dark, <laughs> he had to work his way up to B movie stardom. Which of these jobs did he not do? A, he was a stuntman in over 15 films. <laughs> B, catering. He used his mother's kitchen to get him on studio campuses and his foot in the door. Mm-hmm. C, he was a bird handler on the Hitchcock's The Birds. Or D, wow. special effects. He has two special effects credits. So which did he not do? Uh, I want to say bird handler. And you would be wrong. Oof. <laughs> he actually was a bird handler on the birds. <laughs> wow. And then he made a scary tarantula movie. He did all those jobs. He was a stuntman. He did special effects in those days, which was probably pyrotechnics. But uh, the only thing he didn't do was catering. <laughs> <laughs> so now you guys are tied. And this is what so- always happens when I do a quiz on Montreal Sauce. And then I am usually ill-prepared, and I probably am this time, too. But I have some true or false questions. Okay. So, 
Let's see if we can untie it. Sally. Let's see, see if I can win this one. Yes. Sally, the average female tarantula can live up to 30 years. True or false? False. That's true. <laughs> really? Yes. No way. Wow. <laughs> okay, Paul. Uh, tarantulas are cannibalistic. True or false? False. It's actually true. <laughs> you guys of are still <laughs> Okay, Sally. Tarantulas hunt during the day. True or false? False. They're um, they're uh, what's it called? They they're uh, they hunt at night. That's correct. You are correct. They yeah. hunt at. She's leading you two to one. Yeah. Okay. Two to one. Okay, Paul. You, you need this. <laughs> Tarantulas have retractable claws on each leg like a cat. False. It's actually true. <laughs> That's it. Sally wow. won. Woo! <laughs> nice. My other true or false question was tarantulas can regenerate lost legs. True or false? That's false, right? No, it's true. It is true. Yeah. I did know that one. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they had these retractable claws like a cat. You know, funny, one coming back to funny things about the South. The, <laughs> oh, my God, the bugs here. <laughs> they are terrifying. No, no um, tarantulas, but tell you what, the palmetto bugs, like not even kidding you, bugs the size of my thumb. Now I'm just like, eh, no big deal. First time I saw one. I don't. I didn't move for like an hour because it was on my ceiling, and I just <laughs> stared at it. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Now, like, you shake your shoe, your tom, you're like your tom shoes. You're like, "Is there a bug in here?" Oh yeah, there's one. Oh, no big deal. Like wow. literally, like a wow. bug that's like yeah. two inches long. Because you're like, "Ah, I'm so used to it." Yeah, it's terrifying. You guys never that. experience that. I feel like funny things about the South could be its own podcast altogether. Oh, it totally, especially like, like. Northern things like something a northern notices about the South. Yeah, you know? sure. Because it, it's so fun. And people are funny. I didn't understand what people were saying for like a month when I moved down here. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. I'm like, can you say that slower? I don't get it. Um, but yeah, it's the bugs. I'll tell you what, it's it's terrifying. They're huge. That's yeah, funny. I used to. I live, uh, my wife has a condo that I moved into and we live on the eighth floor here downtown Edmonton. And so um, obviously not a lot of bugs travel up to the eighth floor. So I always joke with her like there's no bugs in Canada. Even bugs are smart enough not to leave. (laughs) (laughs) When we go to the mountains, we see our fair share of bugs. But we just brought my mom to the mountains and she's like, I just saw a bug. I thought you said there weren't any in Canada. I was like, you know, I was joking, right? <laughs> she's like, I saw just one. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a spider on the eighth floor. Like, what the heck are you doing here? Are you lost? No, like literally last night I was going out. I took, I have a, a dog. I took my dog outside last night and literally when I opened the back door to the, the cockroach palmetto bug, you know, there's it's probably an inch and a half long. Two of them just crawled into my house, like as I opened the door, and I had to like shoo them away. And that's a normal day in my house because they're just <laughs> massive, nasty bugs. It's terrifying. That's crazy. 
So I have to ask, since you mentioned that you are a fan of Doctor Who, uh, mm-hmm. I have to ask, who is your uh, first slash favorite Doctor? Um, first they, and or favorite. Maybe there are two separate Doctors. Only just one's my favorite. That's uh, David Tennant. That's his real name, right? I, yes, I was, that, was, is, that is I always want to call him Christopher Tennant, but then I know I'm like, no, it's David. Um, <laughs> he's, he's my favorite. And hey, well, I've watched the episode where he says goodbye to Rose about five times, and I just bawl every time. Cause it's, oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where she's uh, on the – but then he sees her again. He saw her again. And, and, yes, after, he does. And, and I'm like, that's not fair because I cried like ten times watching that one. And then you, it happened again. Um. But yeah, he was my favorite. I think. Um, uh, see, that's why I can't. And I know that there's an, another one, Christopher Pat Eccleston, Matt right? Smith. Yeah, there's Christopher Eccleston, and then David Tennant, and then Matt Smith, and there's this new guy. Yep. And I think they're doing the movie now, right? They are getting ready for um, the next, the new, the new season. The new season starts in a couple of weeks. Coming up here. Yeah. In fact, by the time this airs, we'll be really close to it, I think. Yeah. By the, by the time we release this on the feed, I should say. Yeah, it's like, and I just have such a hard time with, like, and, and I understand, you know, each actor is different. I just have a really hard time believing the storyline that all their mannerisms completely change. And, like, you go from Christopher Eccleston to David Tennant to Matt Smith, and they're just completely different people. And, like, that, that doesn't make sense in... Uh, I'm just, I really liked him as a character, as a doctor. And uh, the one where they were in the library and then he meets his wife that he hasn't yet met. And the, yeah, yeah. That one, like that one was so good. But then they never came back to her character. Have they haven't yet? I don't think. Well, they come, have they come back to that storyline? Spoilers. Such an appropriate line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is appropriate. Um, the, yes, they. Uh, you should keep watching the Matt that, Smith that, ones. Then you know what? That will probably push me to start watching it again. Yeah, you should. You should because I think one of the things that you'll like about it too is this: the mo- currently the. Well, I guess it's not the the most recent episode because they did the the finale. But just before the finale, they did kind of a fun special um, 50th anniversary episode where they did kind of a crossover where, due to some stuff happening, the the 11th Doctor, the Matt Smith Doctor, meets uh, the 10th Doctor, and they kind of have to team up on um, a bit of an adventure. And you know, I saw that when I – saw, I saw some stuff on Facebook when that happened. Continue, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. and there – there's some fun interplay in there because they don't exactly get along and it kind of speaks to what you're talking about, how the two, the different doctors have very different personalities, mm-hmm. um, but they have the same like memories and kind of fundamentally they're the same person. Like they still have the same kind of core values, mm-hmm. I think. So it's, uh, um, that one is fun, but Matt yeah. Smith, Matt Smith, David Tennant is my favorite doctor as well. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Smith does justice to the role. I think he brings something unique to it, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't kind not, of get to that. Um, he's just not. He's just not as good. And and I've watched maybe five <laughs> episodes with Matt Smith, but uh, I just really like David Tennant. And then I never really. I was holding out with when uh, I was first watching it, and it was uh, Christopher Eccleston. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's like okay, it's funny and quirky, but then as soon as he became David Tennant, 
when and then Rose was like, "Ooh, who's this new guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it's even better now." Yeah, if, I I think Paul has said it before too, but um, whether you know you like David better than Matt, what the interesting thing about the Matt Smith Doctor is is that the the episodes sort of have like an ongoing plot a lot more than the David Tennant seasons did. So oh, okay. there's sort of like this ongoing story about his wife and things like that, that you okay. kind of keep watching for. So that's, it's kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Well, that's exciting. I think I'm going to have to start watching it again then. I was going to, I was just going su- to suggest since you said you, you weren't really like, you thought you might like to be in the sci-fi, but you're not. I was going to suggest you try to watch uh, Firefly. Yeah, and, and I think I've watched like part of the first episode of of uh, it's on. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that one out too. Because uh, there's a some of my friends in Augusta would always tell me like, you, can, you need to watch this show. You need to watch this show. <laughs> but. I'm yeah, sub- I never, I never got into it when people kept saying you got to watch this, you got to watch this, and then sort of like you, I was like looking for something, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it, and uh, I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And next thing you knew, I watched like four episodes, and then you know, I watched like three in a row, and I'm like, uh oh, this is going to be over soon because this is one show, <laughs> like one season. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's fun. I just thought of it because uh, the Woot shirt. Uh, today was like a show about or a t-shirt about the show and I was like oh I haven't seen that show in a long time yeah um, and when when someone suggested Firefly I was like in the middle of my Doctor Who like I'm gonna keep watching this and uh, and so I was like nope I'm good I've got this show (laughs) (laughs) I also had to suggest it because Nathan Fillion is uh, from Edmonton so I get like some sort of uh, money if I mention it I think Canadian government. It just it bumps up that citizenship certificate by a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well done promoting Canadian media. <laughs> a a <laughs> yeah, he's apparently he's some kind of twenties gangster Canadian. <laughs> yes. Do, do you, yeah. Well do done. You find, a. Do you find that you're sounding more Canadian the more you live in Canada? I was actually going to compliment you saying you've lived there for so long and you haven't picked up the accent. I I, I, I do say y'all. I do say y'all now. Nice. And, I, but I found myself typing it. Like the first time I typed it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm typing it. And then like the first time I said it, actually like said it to my girlfriends. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, guys, I just said y'all. And they're Southern, so they just make fun of me. But um, but now it's like, you know, I, it's normal to me but then when i go home i feel like dirty saying y'all i'm like should i say this to you guys i know it's weird but yeah i'm kind of a little bit of see and i i feel like y'all could be such a nice shorthand that we northerners should just like start using well and i still really nice yeah and i still say you guys and matt he's like oh you guys oh michigan and i'm like i don't and then I go, I don't sound like that. He's like, oh, you don't? And, and he makes fun of me some more. But, <laughs> but like the um, Fargo, the TV show that was just out with Martin Freeman, we watched that. And he's like, it sounds like you. I'm like, I don't sound like that, Matt. That's not what we Michigan people sound like. Right. But, you know, it's all relative, I guess. I've lost a little bit of my Michigan sound, I think, being in the South. But I definitely... I haven't picked up on the southern drawl. I don't think 
I ever will. But it's funny, women are more likely to pick up an accent than men. So I've always and our language centers are different in our brains. So I always mm. figured I'm more likely to to take on a draw. Like I have a, an uncle that's lived in New Orleans for you know 40 years, and he still doesn't sound like he lives in New Orleans. But I'm saying y'all. I'm like, no, I'm I'm not southern. But we'll see. I think I'm doing a good job of saying <laughs> like I'm still sounding normal. Because some people down here, no no offense to anyone that's listening that's from the South, there's just some interesting uh, little uh, twangs that they have. And it's funny, you know. But I'm I'm from Michigan. And people always, you know, people in Jacksonville are like, you're not from here. And I'm like, no, I just moved here from Georgia. They're like, you don't sound like you're from Georgia. I'm like, well, <laughs> let me explain. I came by way of Georgia from Michigan. and uh, And they're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I uh, I was going to say like as you said no offense to anyone but I was going to ask you like you mentioned a gentleman coming into your uh to your uh camper and telling you what to do uh and he was a businessman and uh mm-hmm. I was going to say did he have a thick accent <laughs> because there there is sort of like a a silly it seems silly, but it's their real voice. But uh, there is a silly sort of Canadian accent that I catch every now and then to certain people. Um, and like one time I was going to lunch and there's all these like three, four young guys like in their suits because they were downtown working. And one of them just had this horrible like Canadian accent that I came and mimic because I don't know how to do it. But it, it was just a very with the uh, boots and things like that that I don't really <laughs> hear often. And so I was like, how does anyone take him serious as a businessman? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's really offensive of me to say. But I was just like, how can you take him serious? <laughs> you should buy this. Eh? It's very good for you. Oh, know, like, oh yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, it's, that's what's funny about Florida. It's, um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly. Like, I don't think people in Florida have as much of an accent as Georgia. Um, literally, the first, the first thing when I moved to Georgia um, – I went to, I think the first place I went was Home Depot to buy paint. And literally, I could not understand what the guy was saying. And he's, and he, and I make, and I, when I recreate in my brain what I heard, it sounds like this. And don't take offense to anyone listening. He's like, like that's what I heard. <laughs> because I couldn't understand what he was saying because it was just so foreign to, Everything else I heard, and um, but it was a very thick, you know, Georgia accent. But I think people down here in Florida are more—it's more of a melting pot here. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's more as much of an accent. Um, but it's it, it, a lot of people actually. A lot of Michigan people live down here. A lot of Midwestern people, mm-hmm. and um, and then it's funny because then you go over to um, you know the west side of the state into New Orleans and or Louisiana area in Alabama. And I think the southern part of like the Louisiana people in New Orleans sound very much like have this weird mix of a New York sounding southern accent. So it's it's uh, it's a funny melting pot. But people definitely don't think that I'm from here. Still, I don't think I ever will. But uh, I do say I do say y'all, and um, and I've dropped the G's on ing words. That's one thing I think that's different. Like um, oh yeah, like. Swimming, yeah. I don't. I don't pronounce a G, and everyone else up north does. And so I go home, and 
And it's funny being down here for so long. I go home and I hear my family's accents, and then I just I giggle to myself. And I'm like, they sound so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but West Michigan is a funny. It is. I don't think that we had accents, and I don't think I had one. And um, Matt teases me, and he's like. Oh, you gonna go drink some pop and soda and call your dad? Like, no, <laughs> and then we have a good laugh about it because he's—I mean—he's from Georgia and Alabama, so he's got—he's uh, got southern accent a little bit, but not a whole lot. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, the they—they uh, they all have fun with me because um, here in Canada, because. Um, they like to ask me to say words because they think I sound funny, but it's typically French words that they're Canadian, so they pronounce them in the French way, and we call it a foyer. <laughs> you know, what's you, that say, fr- you, you say foyer? Yeah. And That's they're like, what's, what's that entryway of a house? And I'm like, vestibule. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, no, foyer. I'm like, you mean foyer? So it's well, kind of interesting. That's funny. Well, like, and I, I took French in school, so like I say foyer or um, I say vase, and, and, and they're like, you mean a vase? <laughs> oh. <laughs> or, yeah, like, that's funny. So it's interesting. There- There's uh, a lot of like the older generation here will often like say, well, have a seat on the Chesterfield, which is like a brand of couches that was like yeah. popular. And yep. like, so I never heard that one before. So they're like, you don't know what Chesterfield is? Like, didn't you have couches? And I was like, yes, we didn't have that brand. Don't you understand? <laughs> like, I'm American. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm really glad that uh, you took the time out, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your short vacation in Pensacola. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a it's a very long vacation for me. It's a whole three days. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't uh, today. I find myself like I need to go blog or do something or get some. And I'm you know I'm still I'm still always working because I'm still tied to my phone, of course, doing social media. <laughs> but but I'm excited because I will wake up tomorrow morning and I will have nothing on my agenda that is work-related, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Awesome. And thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad uh, we got a chance to finally chat. Yeah, I know. It's like I can finally put a voice behind <laughs> all of our social media interaction for the past <laughs> yeah. <how> many years. <laughs> it so sounds exciting. so much more dull now when he types that. <laughs> <laughs> Monotone. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate it. And um, like Paul said, we have some, we do the live show like this and then uh, he does some magical editing that I don't pay him for. (laughs) And and then we post the show. So be sure to let you know when we post it. Yeah. I'd love to share it. And um, yeah, and I'll put it on all my, uh, my little media sites and (laughs) awesome. Cool stuff. Cool. Well, and like I said, enjoy your vacation. Enjoy Shelby. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm a uh, big things coming soon, so it's exciting. Lots of stuff. Awesome. Great. So, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on. And um, I keep saying that, but it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and learn a lot more about uh, your business and how you go along with your day. So that's yeah. all been valuable, and I'm sure others will find it valuable too. Well, thanks. I'm happy to share. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to have me on again, just you know, let me know. I'd love to come back and spread the word about your podcast. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> awesome. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah thank you. All right. Goodbye. All right. Bye, guys. See ya. Hey, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Montreal Sauce. Uh, this was part two of our interview with uh, Sally Ann. Uh, you can find her uh, online store at shopsallyann.com. Uh, that's just A-N-N, not A-N-N-E, just in case you were thinking S-A-L-L-Y-A-N-N. Or you can follow her on Twitter. She is at Sally underscore Ann. And again, that's just A-N-N, not A-N-N-E. No extra E. It's both silent and invisible. Um, if you were looking for me, you would find me at, at Paul D on Twitter or padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O. If you happen to be in my area code, that's actually my cell phone number. Um, so just start randomly dialing it. Um, and if you are looking for uh, Chris, uh, he is online at sickdays, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. That is both his Twitter handle and his blog, if you add .com. If you don't add .com, uh, I have no re responsibility or liability as to where you will end up. Um, it could be very bad. It could be very good. Uh, you'll just have to do that experiment yourself uh, and tweet me the results at Paul D. Once again, I get a double plug because I'm recording the outro. Okay, uh, so we'll be back next week. Montreal Sauce, it'll be just me and Chris with the show that we recorded uh, live together in Michigan, all in one place. It'll be amazing. It'll be delightful. You'll listen. We'll see you later. <laughs>